Hey mamas, I'm so excited for you to meet Marietta who is a first time mama who experienced an unmedicated induced hospital birth. Marietta shares her experience and advice on switching care providers when you don't feel completely confident in the care that you're receiving from your current care provider and how to know your options and make decisions that best suit your birth goals. If you love Marietta's story, make sure you subscribe to the Built to Birth podcast, rate it, and then write a review so that your podcast platform knows to share these inspiring birth stories to mamas just like you. Marietta shares about her last-minute preparation before her birth experience and how much research and education plays a part in the birthing process. If you want to have an informed pregnancy and birth, I have an online childbirth education course, so if you're looking to build up your mind, body, and team for a happier, healthier, and easier birth, go to my website, builtabird.com, which is linked in the show notes. So without further ado, here is Marietta's birth story. I had my daughter almost five weeks ago. Um, so I'm a researcher. I work at a university doing academic research on various anomalous experiences like near-death experiences and little kids wow. uh, talking about past life memories. And I'm very passionate about this. And it's uh, I would say it's my dream job. And I moved here in central Virginia for this job. Uh, two and a half years ago, and then I subsequently met my husband here. Uh, we got married, and we just had a baby, and everything happened um, relatively quickly, uh, mm. which is what I was hoping for. Um, so this is the gist of it. I, I'm going to try to keep it short. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to hear your birth story and it's awesome that that's a really interesting line of work that you're in. That's yeah. not, you know, an everyday job that we hear about. So that's really cool. And I'm sure that gives you an inner, in, in, an interesting perspective on life as well, you yeah. know? It's hmm. definitely a very unusual occupation. And um, there's pretty much only one place in the entire country that is dedicated to this kind of work at the University of Virginia. So I feel very grateful to be doing this. Wow. Uh, and it's really a dream come true for me. Good. That's amazing. I love it. So you and your husband met and and then you got married. And then how soon did you guys become pregnant after after being married? Um, I mean, technically, about four months after getting married, um, I knew I knew I wanted to have kids soon, and neither mm. of us is very young, so <laughs> mm. we knew that we um, if we wanted this to happen, we'd kind of have to uh, get started on it pretty soon. And um, thankfully, it worked out, and um, we didn't we didn't have any issues. So I'm also very grateful for that. Yeah. Um, and I was prepared for it to take a while. Um, yeah. I knew that it, you know, it could happen relatively quickly or it could happen. Uh, it could take a while, even if there are no problems whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Um, yeah. It was it's, getting pregnant is unpredictable. You know, pregnancies and births are unpredictable. And so, you know, there's variables no matter your age or circumstance or, you know, anything in life there are, it's just a little bit unknown. Yes. Mm. Um, but thankfully it worked out. Um, awesome. So you guys were able to conce conceive naturally then? Yeah. 
Awesome. That's, that's amazing. Good. So what was your reaction when you got pregnant? Were you like expecting to get pregnant when you did, or was it a little bit of a shock or what were your emotions Um, behind that? I wouldn't say I was expecting it to happen because I knew, I mean, I knew we can't predict that. I was certainly hoping that it would happen. Uh, But uh, leading up to when I found out, I wasn't, I think I was expecting it to not happen because I had started getting some light menstrual uh, period symptoms. Mm-hmm. So the, the day before I pretty much decided, okay, it's not happening this month. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cause I started experiencing the same symptoms, but I ended up not getting my period. So mm-hmm. the next day, literally one day after missed period, I decided to just uh, do a test because I was mm-hmm. quite impatient. And part of me was, still hoping that, okay, maybe I am pregnant. Um, and, um, it actually turned out that I was, yeah. (laughs) I love it. That's amazing. (laughs) I I basically, uh, picked up a couple of very cheap dollar store tests on my way to work. (laughs) Yeah. Because if you're uh, not pregnant, you don't want to like waste that money on those expensive pregnancy tests. Right. And I had also heard that they actually do work. Um, yeah, they do. They totally do. It was literally like, I think I got three for a dollar. Um, yeah, it's amazing. And then I, I did the test as soon as I got to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, as it happened, literally a couple of hours later, I was supposed to go to my, uh, primary care physician for my annual, um, exam. So yeah. not basically like a physical checkup. So I thought, oh, this is great. So I could go in and actually get a blood test. Mm-hmm. So I literally got the blood test confirmation the same day. Wow. Uh, like maybe five hours later. Um, That's a great. And, and then I it was like very s- exciting, but it still, it still was a, I, I was certainly very happy, but it was still a bit of a, a shock, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I can't believe it's happening. Yeah. So you found out at the beginning of your work day, when did you tell your husband that you were pregnant? Uh, literally like literally as soon as I got in the car to drive (laughs) to the doctor's office. And what was his reaction? I honestly think that I took the test like maybe like 20 to 30 minutes before having to leave, um, for the doctor's office. And I was thinking, Oh, should I surprise him? I wasn't going to tell him right away. But then Mm -hmm. I, once I got in the car and I was going and hopefully having it confirmed, I couldn't wait. So I just called Mm -hmm. him and it was very non-romantic and kind of very (laughs) like, Oh, wait, (laughs) do you have a moment? And I have news. And he was like, wow, I can't believe it. He was excited, but, um, both of us were like, oh, wow, so it is real and it is happening. And both of us were very excited, but it wasn't mm. anything like exuberant or overly romantic or yeah. special. But it was it, it, it was still a very special moment. Yeah, of course. I feel like that's a special moment no matter how it's shared or experienced. Yes. I feel like for most moms, like, I mean, we do see these like glamorous, like propose or not proposals, but like, you know, like surprise you're gonna be a dad you know things like that we see all these like fun ideas to like reveal that but I feel like most of us are just like you just like too excited to hold it in any longer just like I just have to blurt it out (laughs) that's exactly what it was I just didn't want to withhold that information from him 
Yeah. Not, not even for like a day or yeah. half a day. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's, it's all consuming. Like everything you do, it's like, I'm doing this, but I'm also pregnant. So it's so hard not to share that with a person you love, you know? Yeah. And what yeah. I also did, so after coming back from the doctor's office, obviously it wasn't that the results were going to take some time to come out. And the doctor said, oh, hopefully by the end of the day. So when I got back, I actually went to uh, the pharmacy and bought a few more tests, more expensive <laughs> this time, and, yeah. did, <laughs> and started Just doing to- more testing. And sure enough, it came back positive. And mm-hmm. after the second the second additional test, I actually heard back from the doctor. So that was a lot of testing in one day. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's so many moms. It's like we have to have all of these tests to actually confirm like, okay, this is really happening. <laughs> yeah. My my husband absolutely didn't get it. And he was like, why are you, why are you wasting all that money? Like, <laughs> it's not going to get any less positive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, but I just have to make sure one more, one more test. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just said, you know what? You're not going to get it. Just, just let me do my thing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That's so true. Well, I love it. So you found out you're pregnant and then Kind of walk me through your pregnancy a little bit in terms of like how you prepared for your birth, what you were kind of looking for in your birth experience, um, you know, support from your care providers, things like that. So thankfully, my pregnancy was pretty uneventful. Uh, I didn't have any complications, mm-hmm. um, nothing that during the pregnancy that could have gone wrong, went wrong. So it was, um, I mean, there were the various normal discomforts, uh, yeah. that were better or worse at different times, but it was pretty much, um, you know, a pretty, pretty good, um, uneventful pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I knew, like best case scenario, I knew I wanted something as close to natural as possible with as little intervention as possible. Um, And I'd spent a lot of time thinking about that in, you know, prior years and decades. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm originally And what kind of was, what was the reasoning behind wanting that kind of more intervention-free birth? Um. I just believe that for most of human history, uh, women have been able to deliver babies normally without any intervention. Now, of course, mm. uh, maternal mortality used to be much higher and fetal mortality used to be much higher before uh, modern medical care. So there's definitely a place um, for various interventions. But I also mm-hmm. knew if, if things if nothing's going wrong, most people can... Um, deliver normally and mm-hmm. kind of avoid a lot of these extra interventions that tend to happen at a hospital. And yeah. I had um, I had a lot of knowledge about birth and pregnancy uh, because my my dad and my grandfather um, were OBGYN, so I kind of grew up um, hearing a lot about deliveries and pregnancies mm-hmm. and just and also hearing a lot of things that could go wrong. Um, so, um, I wouldn't, uh, you know, maybe that kind of affected my thinking, but I knew, um, I I knew that it's possible, uh, to go to, to try to do something that's closer to what nature intended while at the same time being open to the possibility that things might go wrong. 
Mm-hmm. And um, when I was younger, I used to think that, okay, maybe I'll want home birth. Uh, but right now, I think one one reason that I didn't even consider that this time is that I knew, uh, okay, that wouldn't be covered by insurance. And I also mm. didn't necessarily think my husband would be on board with anything like that. Mm. Um, however, um, I did end up in mid- midwife care and delivering with the midwife Hmm. Uh, at a hospital. Uh, initially, I joined a practice and started seeing the OBGYNs, uh, but then maybe around week 28 of pregnancy, which was kind of late in the game, but they still let me do it. I actually switched over to the midwives, and hmm. I'm so very grateful that I did that. Um, yeah. And the reason for that was, um, first of all, I realized midwives have a lot more time during appointments to work with you and talk talk mm. with you and answer any concerns that you may have. Um, and also, um, I also knew from research that um, with a midwife, you're a lot more likely to get support during the delivery with mm. birthing positions and a lot more active help that's specifically yeah. geared towards helping you speed up the process naturally. Mm. Um, as far as preparing for birth, I mean, I, I have to say I wasn't doing as much as I could have been doing, like as far Mm. as, okay, how do I actively prepare for birth? Maybe about a month, a month and a half before my due date, I started freaking out and thinking, (laughs) oh, wow, this is coming, you know, it's going to be very exciting, but this baby has to come out. Mm-hmm. And that's when I started looking up um, videos on YouTube. And that's how I found your channel. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was extremely helpful. Thank you. Um, <laughs> of course. So I started, you know, watching a lot of videos and practicing certain breaths. Um, mm-hmm. And my husband and I took some prenatal classes where, you know, we learned a lot about what to expect and that was specific to that hospital. But like I said, yeah. I also knew from when I was younger a lot a lot about birthing and delivery yeah. and just had a heightened interest in the topic and access mm-hmm. to more information. But yeah, as far as preparing for my own delivery, I, I could have done more and I kind of left it to the last minute. But thankfully, it worked out and I still had a good experience. Good. That's amazing. So for a mama who is, you know, not sure or maybe struggling with a care provider that she has now, what would you recommend being someone who switched care providers, not necessarily because, you know, you were, you know, hitting heads or anything, but you you did switch your care provider later on in the game. And I think that can be a little bit scary for moms um, and they feel like they can't do it. What would you, what's your advice for a mama who maybe is thinking about changing her care provider? Um, I think I would say don't do it out of fear. So don't do it because mm. you're running away from something. Uh, mm. Do it rather because you like something else. So mm. in my case, um, one, so I had, missed one appointment with my OBGYN because I think it was pregnancy brain. I I thought Mm. it was the next day and it turned out to be the day before. 
And so uh, the only way for them to see me that same day was to actually schedule me with a midwife. So I went to one midwife Mm -hmm. appointment and this particular lady was amazing. And I thought, wow, I I just had a really good experience. I had felt really good about it. Uh, And I thought, well, maybe I should consider that. Mm -hmm. Um, it, It just felt right. And I have to say this particular midwife just like with everything else, it's it's there's variability. Some people are mm-hmm. better than others. She turned mm-hmm. out to be one of the best ones, but I think it, mm-hmm. it worked out for me that in this one instance, uh, it just felt right and opened that mm-hmm. window for me to to consider that possibility. So, yeah. I would say just just go with what feels right, but also yeah. also be informed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew, I knew that, um, again, for a low-risk pregnancy, and midwives only help handle low-risk pregnancies anyway, yeah. uh, for low-risk pregnancies, the outcomes um, at, at a hospital are pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they are. And I love what you said about not making a decision out of fear because you're running away from something. And I think that's so powerful in, you know, choosing your care provider, but also with anything in life and especially birth, you know, don't make decisions out of fear um, or a place of disempowerment. Like never say, oh, I can't do this. And so I'm not going to. It's like, no, I would prefer something else. So I'm choosing not, you know, like even when it comes to medicated or unmedicated, it's not that you can't have an unmedicated labor. It's that that maybe you would prefer a medicated labor where you can be more relaxed, you know, things like that. And it's making a decision out of empowerment and not, not out of fear. And I love that you said that. Yep. And I would also say, just know yourself and what is important Mm. to you. And for me, one of the factors, one of the things that are very important to me is to be able to discuss my care and feel mm. like I can ask all the questions. I'm a very inquisitive person, very analytical. Mm. I like to think a lot about the different ramifications of any decision. Mm. And I'd gotten to the point where I, th- I felt like with the OBGYNs, th- there was a certain like level past which I couldn't ask any more questions. And there was mm. this... Um, this feeling, well, it wasn't just a feeling like they would tell me one of them in particular is like, well, we're the experts and you just, you know, at some point yeah. you just got like to trust, we know what you're us. doing. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and she's right. You know, you have to trust your provider, but it, it, it kind of rubbed me the, the wrong way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's, that's a, possibly a red flag for any mama who just feels like they're not getting that clear communication with their care provider to say like, okay, I need to feel safe in this process and comfort, comfortable and um, trusted and respected. And so if that's, those aren't the feelings that you're getting between you and your care provider, then, you know, it might, it might mean that you need to find a new one in order to have those, those feelings. And I will say, though, that once I switched to the midwives, there was a midwife practice in the same OBGYN practice. And just like the OBGYNs, they were on rotation. So at Mm -hmm. delivery, you didn't know who who you were going to get. And there were five Mm -hmm. midwives. And there was one of them that I was not very fond of for those same Mm -hmm. reasons. Thankfully, I Mm -hmm. didn't get her at the delivery. But my point is that even with midwives, you can... yeah. You know, you can run into that, and and of course, thankfully, if you have a choice, uh, it's good to avoid 
basically just go with someone that you're comfortable with. Yeah. And you yeah. feel like they'll, they'll support you in whatever you want and they'll answer all your questions. Mm, yeah, I think that's great. So I love that you were able to choose your midwife that you felt comfortable and confident with. So then was she there at your birth or did you have another midwife at your birth? No, I, I actually said that I couldn't choose. I could choose. Like, oh, you, for you the could choose the practice, but then they were, yeah, for the appointments, yeah. you chose your midwife. Your but midwife. at the delivery, like they had it was whoever it was schedule. on call. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so you and didn't get the one that you didn't like. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get the one that I didn't like. I got, I got one that I was yet to meet, but she turned out to be fantastic. So it worked Good. out. But, um, on my way to the hospital, my husband and I were discussing, like, as long as we don't get the one that you don't like, we're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. yeah. So why don't you walk us through your birth experience then? Okay. So where do I begin? So... I guess at week 38 plus one day, so we're two weeks out from the due mm-hmm. date, I was, I was still working and trying to finish a project for work, but at the same time, I was freaking out about the delivery. Also, one of my biggest worries that was that my husband would not be able to be with me um, mm. at the delivery because of the coronavirus restrictions, so that was mm-hmm. something that towards the end was honestly a bigger source of stress for me than even how the birth was going to go. Like it was, it it was, it was a big source of stress and I would check every day. Are they still Mm -hmm. allowing one support person? Um, Thankfully he was able to be there with me, but towards the end it was, you know, I was just saying, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. Hopefully she'll mm. wait until the due date, which obviously you can't control these things. Yeah. He, he was saying, I think she'll be here early. Uh, but emotionally, even even the day before I was saying, I'm not, you know, I'm just not ready. I have all these things mm. to finish. And obviously I was still excited to meet the baby, but I think psychologically part of me was still... Um, you know, there were all these added stressors. Yeah. Um, so the day, the night before we had her, we, we had a virtual game night with friends and that was a <laughs> Saturday night and we were saying maybe we'll continue on Monday. And I was saying, well, for all I know, we might have the baby on Monday. So I don't know. So yeah. that's kind of how we ended it. And then after that, my husband and I were going to sleep. And I felt this, like, some fluid leakage a little mm-hmm. bit. And that had been happening over the previous couple of weeks. And I, it, it had happened a couple of weeks before that. And I had to go in and get checked to see if it's amniotic fluid or mm-hmm. urine. Because at this point, with all the pressure the baby was putting mm-hmm. on my bladder, it was, it was really hard to tell. But yeah. a couple of weeks before that, it turned out it was just urine, nothing, mm-hmm. you know, Nothing had leaked yet. So I went to bed that night with that experience. Well, mm-hmm. well, I don't know what it is. And then throughout the night, like I would literally wake up maybe every half an hour and feeling like mm. I'm peeing myself. Mm. And at this point, I it got me worried because I'm thinking, I mean, I've not drank that much 
water, why is why am I still peeing myself? Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> at this point, um, at this point, I started suspecting that this might be amniotic fluid. And uh, I called labor and delivery and talked to the midwife on call and basically described what was happening. And she basically said, yeah, from what you're describing, it really sounds like your, like your amniotic fluid is leaking. Mm-hmm. And that, that freaked me out because I knew that if once the process starts, if you're not showing any signs of labor, they're going to want to induce within a certain amount of time. And that was definitely one of the things that I was hoping for. That was part of my birth plan was to avoid any kind of induction unless yeah. it was medically necessary. And obviously mm. in this case, it would have been medically necessary. Mm. Uh, but I was still bummed out about it because that's not how I was hoping that my labor would start or that yeah. the experience would go. Uh, and we were even prepared to labor at home for as long as possible mm-hmm. and then go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Uh, but once I talked to the midwife in the middle of the night, she pretty much said, I'm, I'm very confident that this is your amniotic fluid leaking. And what I would recommend is that you go to the hospital early in the morning or before that, like give it a couple of hours to see if labor starts, but mm-hmm. definitely in the mo- morning, go to the hospital. And if it turns out that it's amniotic fluid, then we're basically not going to let you go and we're going to mm. induce labor, et cetera. So uh, needless to say, I couldn't really go back to sleep after that. Yeah, just, of course. <laughs> um, I didn't wake my husband up because I thought, well, there's no point in neither of us sleeping. So I'm just yeah. going to give him um, a couple more hours to mm-hmm. sleep. So and were you yeah. feeling anything at this point other than like the leaking amniotic fluid? Nope. Okay. I wasn't feeling anything. It was just, well, I was feeling stress, I guess, but no yeah. real, no real signs no of preg- labor. Or labor. Yeah. No labor no, symptoms. Nothing. Okay. nothing. Um, and then in the meantime, I was texting with my dad. Like I said, he's an OBGYN. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm originally from Bulgaria. My, my dad is there. And I texted okay. him in the middle of the night and it's, it was during the day for him. And I said, yeah, this is what's <laughs> happening. He was also like, yeah, it definitely sounds like this is your amniotic fluid leaking. You need mm-hmm. to go to the hospital as soon as possible. So I was texting with him a little bit throughout the night. And then in the morning around six o'clock, I woke up my husband and I said, okay, I think I, I basically told him what had transpired and I said, mm. we need to go. And it sounds yeah. like we, we may have to stay and have the mm-hmm. baby. And at this point, I think I was a little bit, um, I was still kind of in disbelief. Mm. Like I was in disbelief that that's, ha- that's where things were going. Um, yeah. um, so eventually we, we made our way to the hospital around eight in the morning and there was screening at the door Mm-hmm. for um, for symptoms for COVID-19. Yeah. Um, so long, long story short, uh, we went to triage. Uh, a different midwife had come for the new shift and it was one that I hadn't met, but she, she seemed very nice. And uh, they did a bunch of tests and it was indeed determined that 
I had been leaking amniotic fluid. Yeah. Uh, no doubt about it. And at this point, she she ran the the story again about, well, we have to induce you because of the risk of infection. At this point, still no yeah. labor symptoms of any kind. And I, you know, at this point, I'm kind of freaking out and thinking, okay, I had this birth plan in my head, even mm. though I, I knew that it, it's just a, it, you know, it's just preferences. We don't have any yeah. control yeah. over the process. But exactly. I was starting to feel bummed out about, yeah, about just being derailed were, from what you were expecting to happen. Yeah, at the very beginning. Yeah, um, yeah. And thankfully, she was she was very understanding, and she tried to calm me down. And um, basically, she said, "Well, we're going to start with before the pitocin. We're going to start with uh, I think the drug is called Cytotec. I'm not yeah. sure. Basically, um, cervical ripening." Mm -hmm. um, medication to kind of get things started before the Pitocin. So it releases prostaglandins to help soften the cervix and like you said, kickstart labor, hopefully start those contractions. Yeah. Yeah. And she said, she, she basically gave me hope because she said it's rare, but in some women that's sufficient to Mm kickstart labor. And I think I kind of held on to this, um, to this hope later mm. on, I looked up statistics that it's actually kind of rare <laughs> and, 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 and in the vast majority of cases, it's just, it just ends up being the first step towards the Pitocin induction. Yeah. Um, so after that, um, I think it took a while with all the checks and, and the different things that were happening to actually get us to the labor room and get us mm. situated. And at that point, I still didn't have any any labor symptoms yeah. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they said we're going to do three doses of that drug, uh, mm-hmm. three three to four hours apart. And um, I think by eleven in the morning, they had started me on the first dose, and they were monitoring contractions. Um, nothing really happened as far as things that I could feel. Mm. And then four hours later, they gave me the second uh, dose. Um, Still nothing in the beginning. And I think finally, uh, around uh, an hour and a half after the second dose, I started feeling light cramps, Um, Mm. which which actually gave me hope. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it's almost like, oh, good. Like, I'm starting to feel uncomfortable. This is a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. It was... um, I thought, okay, maybe this is working. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, they could tell from monitoring the contractions that something something was happening. So we were kind mm-hmm. of on the way to possibly having it work. But again, yeah. we were still far away from a full-blown labor process. Labor, yeah. But I think that's kind of, I think that was 4.30 in the afternoon when I started feeling these first um signs of labor, like menstrual cramps. Mm -hmm. Um, and after that, I, I was trying to move a lot. Um, I actually did a meditation. Um, it was this audio chakra meditation that was Mm. basically going through different, you know, different, um, 
parts of your body and kind of mm. encouraging you to open up. And mm-hmm. I, I have no evidence to support this, but I definitely feel that that's something that kind of helped me in that yeah, process. Not, not definitely. just to calm down, but I really, on some level, I think it, it helped actually speed up or start the yeah. process. I a hundred percent believe that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so after that, and at this point, the, the timeline is kind of blurry, but, uh, basically over time, these menstrual cramps started getting a little bit stronger and it was still manageable. Mm -hmm. And I, I was going to the bathroom a lot. Um, and at one point I noticed that this pink, uh, whatever you want to call it. Egg whitey. Yeah. And I think that was what they called the bloody show. So at this Mm -hmm. point, I'm like, okay, this is exciting. And I we called yeah. in the the midwife into the room as soon as possible. And I said, I think, I think something's happening. And as soon as I described it, she she got very excited. And she mm-hmm. said, Yeah, I think, I think things are working. And Good. she was she was wonderful because she was she she was definitely very dedicated to helping me um get the experience that I was hoping mm-hmm. for while still yeah trying to keep things safe. So she was definitely as excited as I was. That's amazing. Um, so from that point on, it was just, you know, things getting a little bit more intense. Uh, she said, I think things have started. Maybe we'll give you the third dose of the drug. We'll see how things mm-hmm. are going. But in the end, we ended up not even doing the third, um, the third dose. Things just progressed on their kind of own took over yeah yeah and at this point as far as uh pain relief um there wasn't anything um I should say that going into the experience I I had decided that my preference was to go without an epidural and it wasn't mm. for any like masochistic reason like oh I want to mm. experience pain or I want to prove myself or nothing like yeah. that it was basically like I am not very comfortable with some of the cons of having an epidural like Mm -hmm. I'd read some research that it on average it could prolong labor and Mm -hmm. if things get stuck end up in more um with more interventions yeah and I also wasn't too keen on the idea of having a needle in my back Mm -hmm. so my plan was that's what I'm gonna go for but if it doesn't work and if I'm too desperate I'm I'm gonna go for it so it was kind of I was flexible and open about it but really trying to see how far I could go without without any kind of um with certainly without an epidural I was open to getting intravenous drugs but we didn't Mm -hmm. that didn't happen either and I had definitely decided to get nitrous oxide, but again, because of the virus situation, they mm-hmm. that was not an option because their filters for the gas masks were somehow not virus proof. Yeah. So anyway, at this point, there's no, there's no pain, like medical. And you weren't med- receiving any pain medication. Yeah, no. Um, we did get one thing that I uh, insisted on from the beginning was getting uh, the one labor unit with a tub in it. Mm. Uh, And I definitely knew I wanted to use the tub. So I think by 
7.30 in the evening, I had, I was already in some serious pain. Mm. Uh, that's when the new shift of night nurses came in. And at this point, it's all kind of a blur. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's these people. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really, I do remember the timeline, but it's a lot of it is kind of a blur. And then Definitely. by the point I feel where like that is it with labor. <laughs> yeah. By, by the time things got pretty um, intense, uh, they decided to transfer me to the tub. And by this point, I was, I was in serious pain. I mean, things mm. over a couple of hours, it went from uh, menstrual cramps, light menstrual cramps to serious menstrual cramps to, oh my God, this, this hurts. Mm. Um, yeah. So in the tub, uh, the nurses, my husband, they were all extremely supportive and there were things mm. that they did that definitely helped with the pain. Mm. Um, what kind like, of things did they do? Like counter, um, the counter, pressure? counter pressure and massage mm-hmm. on my lower back and also uh, pouring warm water over my belly. Mm-hmm. Um, I also listened to kind of meditative music. But really, mm-hmm. on, at this point, the, the whole tub experience is just a blur of me just constantly at every contraction. I was just praying, God, please help me. God, please help me. Like literally, mm-hmm. this was how I was... Yeah. This is literally what I was saying at every contraction. Yeah. That that's yeah. all I remember and uh <laughs> also And thinking, that was your that was your ritual. That's like what that you was, did every time. That was that what was, got you through each mantra. surge. Yeah, that exactly. Was, that was your mantra. <laughs> that was literally my mantra. And I was I mean, I was imploring. I was praying and asking for all the help because I really I really didn't think I could make it. And at that point mm. I was, yeah, over time I also started saying, I don't think I could do this. Why yeah. did I get myself into this? <laughs> like, what was I thinking? What, yeah. what was I thinking even getting pregnant? I think, I mean, a, a lot of that looking back sounds uh, ridiculous, but I'm, I'm sure. But in the moment those were real like questions you you were asking yourself I'm sure like really why did I get myself into this <laughs> yeah and and I think maybe somehow it might have helped because it was mm. I don't know I was kind of processing things at the moment like oh my god I cannot believe this is so painful and mm. um, what was I thinking I actually started feeling bad for my husband because I could somehow in that state that I was in I could still tell that it was also a difficult experience for him because mm. he was, I mean, at this point he had been supporting me for hours and like mm. literally like physically hands-on. Mm, yeah. Um, and at, by this point I, I didn't know how dilated I was because mm. we, we had decided, well, the midwife never said, okay, let's check you. Yeah. When you come in and measure your dilation, she basically said, uh, you know, there's cer- certain risks associated with it. Mm-hmm. Like, Especially after wanna, your water has been broken, yeah. they want to really limit the amount of times that they're doing those exams to limit the risk for infection. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. So at this point, I had no idea how far along I was. I just knew, oh my God, I'm this is excruciating pain and Mm. 
what am I doing here? I even started saying, yeah, I want to go home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, eventually things in the tub were not working as well as they were. So they suggested, um, let's go to the shower and the shower thing did not work out at all. I, I think the water, <laughs> I, I tend to like really warm or hot water and mm-hmm. the water there, I don't know if it was the water not being warm enough, or I think it was just, I, I basically started shivering. Yeah. Um, and, and that's hormones too. That's what's going to happen towards the end of labor. Yeah. That, that, shivering. that part was, was pretty painful too. I mean, even just getting mm-hmm. myself to the bathroom. So after that, I think we decided to to actually go to the to the bed, um, and I think they gave me a peanut ball. Mm-hmm. Um, at, at this point, I'm kind of out of it and just in excruciating pain. And mm. in addition to praying to God at every contraction, I also started saying, "I don't think I can do this. I think I might want the epidural." Yeah, <laughs> I'm starting to consider the epidural. So I think after. Mm five contractions of me saying that, um, the midwife said, well, okay, let's see how far along you are. And if you're three centimeters dilated after all this pain you've been in, maybe you should get the epidural, but if you're kind of close to the end, then maybe you should not get it. Yeah. So I was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's do that. So then she, she checked my cervix and she had the biggest grin and she turned to the nurse and she was like, oh, she's ready. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Oh, and, wow. And I, I, I think they were all in disbelief. Yeah. Uh, but I, I literally, I thought they were joking or something. I, <laughs> I, and I kept asking, are you sure? Is this for real? Yeah. And, and I feel me. like all the symptoms that you're, you're not symptoms, but all the things that you're sharing right now, you know, of the shivering and saying like, I can't do it. I want to escape. Like I want yeah. the epidural, all of those things in my mind, I'm like, oh, I bet you she's close to the end. I bet you she just went through transition and she's almost ready to have the baby. So the, I was like just anticipating you sharing like what, you know, you measure yeah. that. And so that's amazing that you, you know, even in your disbelief that you really were 10 centimeters dilated and ready to go. That's, that must've been such a huge relief. Yeah. And honestly, when she said that, my first thought was not, wow, I'm going to meet my daughter. They were saying, mm. you're going to have a baby. You're going to have at this point, at this point, it was like after nine thirty in the evening. Yeah. And I, I was thinking initially that we're going to have the baby the next day. Uh, mm. But she said, no, you're having the baby tonight. It's going to be today. Yeah. And you're going to meet yeah. your baby. And my, my first thought was after, after I realized that they were actually not kidding me and they were serious, <laughs> yeah. my first thought was, okay, I need this to end. It was not yeah. like, oh my God, I'm going to meet my, like that was obviously yeah. I was excited about that. But in this moment, like my visceral reaction was, Oh my God, I need this to be over. Um, mm-hmm. um, and she also said after she said, Oh, no wonder you were in so much pain. Um, yeah. Cause it was the, towards the end. Yeah. So lit- literally after, after she said I was ready to push, we kind of immediately went from trying to get through the contractions to actually mm-hmm. trying to push. And we tried a one position at first that didn't work out. And then we tried what a position was that? Uh, it was um, facing 
facing the back of the like the back of the bed. Of the bed, kind of like yeah, on an of all like, fours position. Not all fours, but like leaning, where you were propped leaning, up on. Yeah, yeah leaning so against kind of like the this. back of the mm-hmm. of the bed, and kind of with my knees, uh, my knees meeting in the middle, and my legs kind at the bottom out to the side if that makes sense okay we tried yeah. mm-hmm. we, we tried that for a couple of contractions but somehow it didn't I couldn't make it work and then we tried mm-hmm. the um I guess the more traditional position of being like facing out and someone yeah. kind of pushing on my Pulling legs your legs yeah which my, my husband did a lot of that he basically did the the work of one of the nurses <laughs> yeah that's amazing um, and so after that, I think I got, I got hopeful that this was going to be over, and mm-hmm. somehow initially the pushing didn't hurt as much as the other contractions, yeah. and I thought, oh, you know, that's kind of manageable. Mm-hmm. So I think in the end, I ended up. I wasn't looking at the clock very closely, but I think it was something like close to forty-five minutes that I was pushing. That's and, amazing. Um, they said it was it was it was pretty productive, and they gave me um, some very good suggestions mm-hmm. for how to breathe and push. Mm-hmm. And at the very end, I had read about the the Ring of Fire, but mm-hmm. I didn't quite know what it was. I just knew it was a concept. But towards the end, I when I started experiencing that, I knew, okay, this is it. This is it. Yeah. And I started kind of describe that sensation that you experienced. Like literally burning. Yeah. Um, mm. So long yeah, and story. It's interesting because some women experience it and other women don't. So I'm sure there are mamas who are listening who are like, oh, maybe I'm going to experience that. But then, you know, maybe not. I never experienced that like looking back. And so, but I talked to so many moms who have. Yeah, it was, it was just a very strong burning sensation. Mm -hmm. And at this point, like I was screaming. Um, Mm. So long story short, eventually towards the end, I, you know, they said the baby's ready to come out. And I distinctly remember they, they said, yeah, we think the baby's going to be out with the next push. And actually, with every contraction, I think I did like three, I could get in like two or three pushes Mm -hmm. with two or three separate breaths. And uh, in the end, they said, yeah, we think the baby's coming. And I remember they they rang this bell Mm -hmm. to to call the the baby nurses. Mm -hmm. And that's when I thought, okay, maybe they're not kidding me. (laughs) 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 And actually... Actually, one of the nurses did say, see, I'm actually, I'm calling the nurses. Like, this is. (laughs) (laughs) So this whole time you're in almost denial that you were going to have her soon or like not sure if they were being truthful. It's it's hard to be in denial at the end because you definitely feel the baby. Like once the baby is down there, you cannot be in denial about it. Mm -hmm. But maybe I was in denial that maybe I thought that it wasn't, oh, it's going to take forever and they're just saying. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, because things did happen so quickly. So it's kind of your mind catching up with your body. Yeah. So in the Mm -hmm. end, 
yeah, my daughter was born and then they did the whole, you know, put her on my chest. And this hospital mm-hmm. is very good about doing bonding for an hour or two. So we got good. that. Um, we got that time. Um, I, w- I was in, I was in disbelief. I mean, I was I was very I was very relieved that it mm-hmm. was over. And um, I wouldn't say that things weren't hurting afterwards, but it didn't mm-hmm. matter because okay, at least this, this part was over. Mm. Um, and so from the time that I started feeling any, um, any labor pains, even the light ones like menstrual cramps Mm -hmm. to the time that I had the baby, it was about six hours. So very quick labor. Yeah. They were saying like, wow, this is amazing. Mm. You're a rock star. I'm like, what? (laughs) And, um, in the end, I think, I think I I was pretty happy with not you know not having to go down the epidural route, mm. but I also thought, oh my god, I totally get why people have an epidural because mm. it, it it hurts so much. It's obviously manageable because people do mm. it, but in the moment, mm-hmm. it, it can. Um, <laughs> it's a it challenge. Can be, yeah, very intense and very painful. Um, Overall, I would, I'm extremely grateful that the nurses I got and the midwife I got were very, very wonderful and supportive. Mm. And they had really wonderful suggestions. They were very, um, they're very focused on giving me the experience that I wanted as much as possible. And I'm also extremely grateful that my husband was there and that he was able to support me throughout the whole experience and also share this very, very special moment. Um, um yeah that's so special I love it thank you for sharing that story with us that is so I think empowering for moms who are experiencing a hospital birth for the first time especially during this coronavirus crisis you know yeah. just to kind of hear an experience of um a fellow first-time mom going through it for the first time yeah. yes thank you for giving me this opportunity I'm very glad I could I could share this and yeah. uh, when yeah. I was pregnant, I love reading other other women's birth stories, and mm. they're all so different. But in the end, yeah. if you can end up with something that kind of resembles what you were hoping for, or even mm-hmm. if it wasn't what you were hoping for, but you were at peace about it, yeah, then that's really wonderful. Yeah, yeah. For mamas who are listening to this and maybe going into um, you know, an induction that they weren't expecting or maybe that they were expecting but not totally um, thrilled about, what would you kind of encourage them with or some advice for them? Um, hmm. Well, I would say, I mean, that probably applies to non-induction situations too, but try to do as much as you can to help the process by walking Mm. and trying different positions and using gravity. Mm. Um, I think I I didn't mention the part that also did some birthing on a ball or Mm. other things, but I think that that helped as well. Yeah. Um, So whatever, even, and and it's, it's not a binary thing like, you don't get any medication or you get all the Mm. medication, like it's a range. So even if you have Mm -hmm. to have some interventions or some medication, still try to do whatever you can to naturally help the process. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Uh, and then you might still end up in a situation where you don't need that much Pitocin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And I think too, just knowing the different processes because you know a lot of times moms don't realize that there's more than one way to be induced and to really go into your experience knowing what are all my options? What can I say no to? What can I you know, wait for what can I, you know, what are my options? What are X, Y, Z that I can do? You know, I think that played a big part in your birth experience too, you know, communicating with your care providers that you wanted to avoid Pitocin as much as possible and then allowing you to just use that cytotech to, you know, help that that labor progress. Yeah. And it's important to have a provider that you could talk to about these Mm. things. That's huge. Yeah. Just just yeah. have someone that you trust and someone mm-hmm. who's open to explaining and discussing the options with you, which mm-hmm. every provider should be that way, but unfortunately it's it's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think what we were talking about in the beginning kind of to wrap this all up, going back to what we were saying with choosing a care provider that really sets the tone for your experience, you know, because the person who you trust and are confident in is going to, you know, enhance your birth experience. Whereas someone who you aren't able to trust and who you don't feel respected by is can possibly take away um, from that experience. Yeah. And you certainly don't want that kind of stress when you get to, to that point. Yeah. And yeah. another piece of advice, if you have a good experience, make sure you take a picture with your doctor or your midwife or whatever. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. Just to commemorate that moment. Yeah, that's great. I love that piece of advice. And I know that so many moms, all the moms who are listening to this are going to find encouragement from your story. So thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. It was amazing. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share. Yes, of course. Well, enjoy this newborn phase with your baby. I know that with the coronavirus, you're probably tucked away inside, but there's no better time to be, you know, taking a step back, letting time slow down and enjoy your baby so that, uh, you know, you really set that good foundation with them. So I hope that you're enjoying that. Great. Thank you so much, Bridget. And thanks for everything you do on your channel. Oh, of course. Thanks for sharing your story with us, Marietta, and I'll hopefully talk to you soon. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, Mama, if you are facing an induction or hospital birth or any birth where things haven't gone according to plan, I hope you are feeling encouraged by Marietta's story. I know every birth experience is different and it's not about what outcome you have with your birth as much as how much you felt in control of your birth, respected through your birth, and in authority over your birth experience. If you are not feeling that way with your current care provider, I encourage you to, like Marietta, find someone you connect with and trust has your best interest in mind. Again, if you are looking for a childbirth education course to help you walk through an empowered pregnancy and birth experience, go to builttobirth.com, linked in the show notes. And if you are needing some encouragement and empowerment spoken over you right now, you can purchase and download the Built to Birth affirmations through my website so that you can have powerful words guiding your mind and body. Because remember, where your mind leads, your body follows. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and write a review of the Built to Birth podcast. And thanks for being with me in this podcast, and I'll see you in the next one.